Ashes and Dust. On September 11th, 2001, a theologian and priest by the name of Rowan Williams, who would only a short time later become the Archbishop of Canterbury, was praying at Trinity Church in Wall Street on New York City. And this church is just a few minutes' walk from the World Trade Centers. That morning, the Archbishop witnessed firsthand the death and destruction of war as he prayed in that chapel. That morning, he heard the deafening sounds of planes crashing into the tower. He heard the sirens. He heard the screams. He was engulfed in the clouds of ashes and dust. And you'll remember, in the immediate days that followed that attack, there was a lot of finger-pointing. The Bush administration began with accusations and promises of revenge. Someone was to blame. Someone would have to pay the consequences for what had happened. We did not know yet who it was. But the American people were assured that the death and destruction that we saw that day in that city would be exacted on somebody else. Revenge would be had. And while many were calling for more violence, Rowan Williams sensed the need for what he called breathing space, a need to step back, a need to orient ourselves and take stock of what had happened and what we had lost. Breathing space. Sometime later, Rowan Williams wrote a book about his experience in that fateful day in September entitled Writing in the Dust, in which Rowan Williams elaborated on his need for breathing space. He wrote this. In breathing space, wrote Williams, there is the possibility of recognizing that we have had an experience that is not just nightmarish, but a door into the suffering of countless other innocents. And in the face of that extreme dread, we may become conscious, as people often do, of two fundamental choices. The first choice is that we can cling harder and harder to the rock of our identities, a choice for self-delusion over truth. Or two, we can accept that we have no ultimate choice but to let go. And in that letting go, give room to what is around us to the sheer impression of the moment, to the need of the person next to you, to the fear that needs to be looked at and acknowledged and calmed, not denied. If that happens, wrote Williams, if we loosen our grip on our threatened identities, the heart has room for many strangers near and far. There is a global hospitality in the presence of death. I was 13 years old on September 11th, and I don't say that to make you feel old or to make you feel young. I remember being very confused. I knew that what I was watching on the TV was really bad. I knew that people had been killed. But what I did not know, and what many of us did not know, was that the 9-11 moment was the beginning of this sweeping narrative that would draw out over the course of the next 20 years and engulf us all. 
We did not know that it would define generations and that it would affect every single person in this room. Many of my classmates that day that I sat beside watching that TV, they would go on to serve in Iraq and Afghanistan. Some of them lost their lives. Some of them came home, but not quite. PTSD, moral injury. Families were broken. Fast forward to these last six days. And once again, the sounds of death and destruction are heard again in our world. Not on our land this time, but on our TV, on our computer screens, on our phones. We stand again on the brink of global war. Lines of tanks rolling into major European cities, rockets and hitting civilian populations, innocent lives are lost engulfed in clouds of ashes and dust. As a child of the 9-11 generation, I cannot help but feel that we are getting once again caught up in a narrative that will define the coming decades, will define a generation. I can't help but feel and hear a desire for vengeance, even in the dispute that is not our own. I can't help but feel that what we are seeing now in Ukraine will affect each and every one of us. And as I sit with this grief and anger and shock over what is happening, I also see a deep need for breathing space. A time to step back, a time to orient ourselves, to take stock of what has happened, what we have lost. Breathing space. On Ash Wednesday, we usher in the season of Lent, and it is a much-needed time of breathing space. Forty days of it, in fact. It is not a time for us to beat up ourselves for what we do or what we don't do, or how we may knowingly or unknowingly participate in systems of sin. It is not a time to make ourselves miserable, nor is it a time to wholly give things up. No, Lent is a time of breathing space. It's a time when we allow to view ourselves, allow ourselves to view the narratives of our lives. It is a time when we look at the massive and unrelenting currents that we are being tossed and turned on. And I'm not even just talking about the national or the political level, but also on the spiritual level and the personal level. And it is in this time, in the midst of extreme dread, as I look at those currents, choose between two fundamental choices. One, we can choose to cling harder and harder to the rock of our threatened identities. Or two, we can let go. And in letting go, give room to what is around us. To the sheer impression of the moment. To the needs of the people around us to the fear that we have in our hearts. In a few moments, you will take part in a ritual that Christians have been taking part in for centuries. In taking on the ashes on your forehead and in hearing the priest remind you that you are dust and to dust you shall return, you are choosing the second option. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the option of letting go, 
the option of breathing space, the option of death to self. And in hearing those words and feeling the ash upon your forehead, you are choosing to remember that you are a part of a narrative far bigger than any dispute over sovereign lands or human identity, that you are being pushed and pulled on a current that transcends moral declarations of war and politics, although that doesn't get you off the hook for protesting against them, and that you are caught up in something that is bigger than the war that is waging in yourself, in your addictions, in your mistakes, your failures, or your struggles for your own perceived sovereignty. By having these ashes imposed upon your forehead, you are choosing to remind yourself that you are a soul which exists in the grand narrative of God's creation. And consequently, as Christ's followers, you should model your life after Christ, God's Son, with self-denial, sacrifice, fasting, charity, and deep, deep self-examination. All the trappings of breathing space. Siblings in Christ, in this Lenten season, acknowledge the hurt. Acknowledge your suffering. Acknowledge these disasters in the world and in your own life which engulf us with ashes and dust. Take on the ashes and breathe. Just breathe. Give room to what is happening in and around you. As we loosen our grip on our identities, as we open our hearts to strangers and make blessed room for the divine hospitality which stands to heal us all. Amen.